Coming up on this episode of Open for Business, some Super Bowl items you might have missed. Is inbound marketing all it's cracked up to be? Seven do's and seven don'ts on LinkedIn and advertisers exaggerate. Oh, no, come on. Really? All that and more coming up on episode 66 of Open for Business. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. OnTheHorn.com. Bandwidth for On The Horn is provided by Amazon S3, who never exaggerates. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. You can retrieve any amount of data. It's really true at any time. It's really true from anywhere on the web. I've tried it. You should too. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive, all from a name you trust. Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Brian Parker, and I am joined by the great Zen master, Tommy Russo from LNR Productions. Hello, Tommy. All Zen to you, Brian and Ken. All Zen to you. Tommy is just coming off his uh, production of the new Crazy Coupon Chick jingle. Absolutely. Which we're all very, we're very impressed with. And of course, since you did such a great job, I'm going to play it for you. It's first live appearance right here on the show. You ready? Yahoo. Yeah. Snip by snip, dollar by dollar, the Crazy Coupon Chick. Saving you money one clip at a time. The Crazy Coupon Chick. So the Crazy Coupon Chick is a uh, is another podcast we do that's been kind of in development, and uh, and now it's coming out of development. Saving you money one clip at a time. The Crazy Coupon Chick. So she's actually on the local Channel Three CBS station here, uh, WFSB, every Friday. So we're very proud of her, and that there's there's her new jingle. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Hey, Ken Cook is also here. Hi, Ken. Ryan, Tommy. You, you almost done with that book? Getting there. Almost done? Almost done. Almost done. We're That's very exciting. exciting. Do you know I, the... I want a jingle for infamy purposes. Uh, great. <laughs> Ken, I will write you a jingle. Thank you. <laughs> you, you too can give Tommy $3,000 and, uh, and he'll fact, do a let's jingle. start with I that I think I'll part. just go back to my book, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. We are Open for Business, the podcast that explores all things business. Entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, making a few bucks for yourself. It really all comes down to this phrase. How to get and keep clients or customers. Customers. Customer. How to get and keep customers. I like customers because it, it kind of gets right to it. Yeah. These people. Client has a little, there's a there's a nice air about it that it's a sophisticated relationship between you and, and, and the client. But I, I think people cheat the client more than they cheat the customer. The customer they want desperately to come back and come back and I, come back. I think from the listener's ear... All clients are customers, but not all customers are clients. Yes. I Interesting delineation. I like that. Yeah. I would certainly do it. Um, so that's who we are. Uh, so Super Bowl was this weekend. Yeah. Maybe a little business being had there at the Super Bowl. Yeah, think. Um, first of all, I did not um, stay up to watch the whole game. Nor did I. Uh, <laughs> I went up just before the power outage, hmm. and apparently I missed all the good stuff. Because my team was the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yeah, then you missed all the good stuff. I was like, oh, it's a blowout. I'm going to bed. I'm, I'm taking that nine-month-old girl, and I'm going upstairs, and we're going to put her to bed, and I'm going to fall asleep. But sports is in the news, not just for the Super Bowl. Spending on sports tickets linked to getting and keeping customers. This is from the American Business Daily uh, Update. Interesting 
Um, I know actually a few people that do sports marketing as a business. That's that's their business, yeah. and it's all about if you want to do a promotion on the field yep. to getting luxury box seats. We were actually talking about luxury box before the show. Luxury boxes are are the worst way to experience the sport. Like whether you're in the stadium and in you know you know an uncomfortable seat, that's a better way to experience the sport. Or if you're home and your couch, very comfortable with your refrigerator nearby, where you've already bought everything, and you don't have to pay six dollars for a soda. But you had the best Those description. Two, what, what what did I say? You said that a luxury box is not getting the stadium experience, but having a rotten TV to watch it on. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. Because what do you do? You can't see what the heck is going on, so you look up into this little. It's a little crappy, fuzzy, four-inch thing. It's like a closed <laughs> caption thing with all sorts of fuzz buzz and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, "What happened?" You're like, "I'd rather be home with you know the big 58-inch plasma screen TV yeah. on the wall and, uh, and comfortable couch." And the food is the catered food is terrible. Yeah, you know what? I, I we were talking about this too. When what I, stadiums are you guys going to? This is what I want to know. Was, I, I experienced this at Fenway. The catered food was horrible. You know, was my, it really? My first, well, my first stadium I've ever been. First one was uh, was Fenway. I got the Fenway Frank, and I said to myself, "This is the most delicious hot dog I have ever eaten in my entire life." Mm. Since then, when I was a child, it's all gone downhill. I think yeah. those concessions are all about just moving the numbers. They are. We don't care about the quality. Like the, there used to be a pride in the Fenway Frank. You know, it's like stopping at a rest stop on the turnpike because you know that the highest bidder is the one that got the franchise. And what you're getting is just run of the mill. They're low on the profit margin. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just not good stuff. Well, tell me more about this. It's interesting. These sales for sports tickets stop have gone up. Uh, Understatement. Oh yeah, twenty billion! Wow, wow, well, was right. But you know, well, it's twenty five percent increase over the last two years. That's the number. Twenty billion is just sort of like a number out there. Yeah, it's a big number, but I have no perspective on that number. When you say twenty five percent in the last two years, oh, that's huge. Well, that's something. <laughs> but like, the really? thing that what struck me about this article was the fact that I have a number of customers mm-hmm. who constantly are sending their customers to sports events one of them actually is a college friend of the director of events for i always call it the garden what do they call it now oh it's no longer madison's oh what not the garden up um, uh, up north talking uh, boston garden yeah what do they call it now td center yeah it's uh i think they called the td garden yeah i think that was the one of the things they didn't want to rename the garden but he he's the director of events in this customer of mine who's his college friend i mean he's there all the time he brings his customers with him i got a couple others that send people to foxborough for the patriots games constantly and it's just part of how they market Uh, one of the guys he's got mm, industrial company more than is probably the best description for it and he sends his sales teams out with tickets in hand yeah. You know what? I mean, I have been offered, I haven't taken advantage of it yet, but I've been offered like tickets to the Masters or wherever. Let me get your opinion. Would you rather go out and play a really nice golf course with a bunch of guys you may know or may know casually, or would you go rather go walk around at like the Masters? Oh, I wouldn't want to walk around at 
professional event. You yeah. can't see anything. Golf is meant to be watched on TV or played on the course. Yeah, I mean, I would much rather just go play the event. I don't know. It, but it also seems to me that this is sort of like, you know, you get uh, Fidelity. Oh, okay, Fidelity's going to be getting the Red Sox tickets. Who's getting the Yankee tickets? Uh, Schwab is going to get the Yankee tickets. And who's going to get the uh, Giants tickets? Uh, that's going to be TD is going to get the, you know, it's just sort of all mingled. And it's like they just kind of like swap Yeah. every so often. And it's, I don't know, it doesn't really mean a lot to me anymore. Well, I mean, we even take one step back. Just the fact that all three of us grew up, and most especially you and I, Ken, with the garden. Mm. And now it's the... Well, I grew up with the spectrum down okay, in Philly. Spectrum, so. whatever. You know, but now it's the TD garden. Yeah. That's the whole corporate sponsorship thing that really came into play 15, 20 years ago when more and more... You know, major corporations were going in and saying, you know, we'll lend our name here, we'll underwrite this, but we want to see our name in line oh, so yeah. that every time a fan crosses the threshold, they're recognizing it is, you know, is the TD Garden in this particular yeah, case. It's kind of like the cookie cutter about mentality major to yeah. making millions for your professional athletes. Well, we actually, we were talking before the show, what would really feel good is going to a game, but a Rock Cats game. Yeah. Yeah. You want tickets for that? Oh, yeah. You got them. Cool. You got them. How about you, Brian? But we you wanted want to take get, that little bambino? <laughs> we wanted to get a whole bunch of us together. We called Jeffrey and you and Brian and me, and we'd all go down to a Rock Cats game. I can make that happen. I can probably get us, if they have a Skybox there, a Skybox there. No, no that's the worst way to watch it. We just told okay, that. Okay, all right. Well, I'm just way. saying. I mean, you know. Rock Cats Stadium, on, you're the, on top of the field I know, there. I know. It's I'm, great. I can make that happen because these cats rock. I think you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, you did that jingle too, didn't that's you? That's us, yeah. See, everybody gets a jingle for infamy, and I don't. What can I tell you? I have. Any, I, I don't even have a jingle for myself. All right. All right. Well, I buy stuff for other people. Don't tempt us. I'm a giver. Don't tempt I'm us. I'm a giver. You're a giver. We can come up with a jingle for you. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Mm. All right. Well, that's a nice little closure. Uh, we're going to get tickets from Tommy. Everybody gets tickets, including Tommy. There, there you, you go. go. Tommy, no, I, I will make that Tommy, happen. I you promise. You got any rockets? I can Tommy. do. I can do that. Uh, the next, this is the top five Super Bowl-themed marketing stories. Tell me about this one. This actually, there were some really good ones in here and some that I want to revisit, but uh, walk us through this one, Kenny. There were a couple of things in here, but the ones that jumped out for me was the newsjacking that occurred. And I'm, right. I'm sort of jumping ahead on the next item we're going to cover, but the thing with the advertising at the Super Bowl yeah. That's different now is Twitter. Sure. Social media. You know what I uh Facebook posts, the whole bunch of stuff because yeah. it it enables people to live the moment and the ad at that point in time. The biggest thing that they talked about was that uh the social media marketing has brought so many more people into the ad itself that it produced a 20% increase in visits on game day that was impressive to the advertiser's sites yeah which to me you're right tom that's the word it is impressive and i think that should go up because what i did not notice which i noticed in previous years is i didn't actually notice a lot of the hashtags like it, maybe it was just like hashtag was a like a super fad of it had to be everywhere and now just people are like yeah, yeah we get yeah. it we're, we're going to hashtag, we'll find you on our own. 
But I didn't see that, like, you know, follow us, hashtag Pepsi.com or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, newsjacking is interesting. Let's save a little bit of what newsjacking is for the next one. But because it's kind of the overall theme here, too. Worst 10 worst Super Bowl ads from Mashable. I, I love that they brought out the Apple commercial because I think Apple did the best commercial and the worst commercial for, oh, the for same Super time. Bowl. Nope. Two different years. Okay. They did a commercial which was uh, the famous 1984 commercial where a woman comes in and kind of throws a, a like a track and field hammer at this big that. screen. It was... It was back, or, yeah. you know, getting rid of uh, you know Big Brother and saying you know IBM is is, yep. is not the way to go. That was great. Then the next year they followed up with this thing called Lemmings. Which I don't remember is, the Lemmings I did commercial. Too. I I remember it, and I remember my feeling was like, I don't I don't like that. I he's he's like insulting me. What it was was a bunch of you know, you know IBM type guys carrying briefcases in their suits. I remember Walking off a cliff like lemmings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Apple was essentially saying in there, hey, you're too stupid to know what you're doing. So we're here to tell you that uh, Macintosh Office is a better way to go. Yeah. That, that was the message before. Before it was like they were freeing us. We were the downtrodden. We were locked into IBM. You're going to be my savior. That's terrific. Now they were saying, you're an idiot. And I think that was... It was so interesting to, to watch the two. They wanted so desperately to have the same kind of impact, the news jack back then. I'd be curious to, to track the results from both of those campaigns. Oh, you know, it was the backlash was horrible. Was it really? On the Lemmings See, one. I don't remember that. Oh, it was so bad. Steve Jobs had to apologize for it. Oh, it was a nightmare. It never pays to call your customers stupid. Right. No. Or let alone potentially, you know, the inference of of your client being equally dumb. Interesting cost for a 30-second Super Bowl ad. 2008, it was 2.7, we'll call it, 2.7 million. Uh, went up to just under 3 million in 2009. Then 2010, it actually retracted. Yeah. Um, $50,000, but who cares? <laughs> And then it's it's climbed all the way up to almost three and a half million dollars, right? For a thirty second ad, that's unbelievable. You know what? You're not getting there. You're not getting your money's worth. Is really what? It yeah, is. I mean, it has really become sort of I I want to buy a Super Bowl ad to say we bought a Super Bowl ad. And you know what else I don't like? I saw all the ads before the Super Bowl. Yeah, those days a are gone of, of, what, of yeah. the anticipation. No doubt about it. We, um, But uh, don't you think, though, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Ken, that, that that played a huge role in the increase of social media visits? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. It did. The smart marketers are the ones that integrate social media and make the ad more of an interactive and continuing interaction with their customers. The marketer that makes it a singular event like the GoDaddy Kiss is a singular event. That which, was a terrible commercial, by oh, the way. God, it was horrible. Boy, that was horrible. It, it, it wasn't a, worth watching. But it got a lot of attention. And a lot of people remember GoDaddy. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know what? We didn't need to remember. Now, when I think of GoDaddy, I think of that commercial. I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I still think of Danica Patrick myself. but I don't get it. I don't get the fascination <laughs> with it. What can I tell you? She does not do it for me. She's like all, I don't know, uptight or something. You might she be, is that. Yeah. Yeah, but you might be in the minority on that one. 
I, I'm not I, sure. But one of the, what we did, we DVR the game. Yeah. And weren't particularly interested in the football aspect of it because neither of us, my wife or I, we, we weren't fans of either of the teams. So we took the entire first half and sped through the football and watched the commercials. That was fun. I hmm. bet. Yeah. I, and I have a feeling you would not and be that's the why only people that have done that. Yeah, yeah that's why it's $3.5 million for it, because that's the time when people do it. You know what's yeah. interesting, though, to me? Obviously, though we as a company are involved in social media in one form or another and certainly have vendors that we rely on, you hear that the traditional media uh, you know, is in its waning days and years, and yet the big to-do... Every single Super Bowl are the TV commercials that are all and only about traditional media. Well, this is typical of most arguments that people make. It's either or, when in actuality it's neither. It is a blending of the two now. Right. It, it's just what I'm saying. It is the need for traditional media to integrate the social media aspects and the continuing interaction with their customer base, whether it's Twitter feeds whether it's an ongoing storyline, whether, uh, who was, what did I see? Um, bah, 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 I can't remember it. But there is a personality, a sports personality, that is now putting out seven three-minute videos that is an ongoing storyline of something they're doing. God, I wish I could remember it. I can't. Sorry. Um, well, let's get into the newsjacking thing, because this is actually kind of fun. Well, this is another example, though, of the social media blending. So, power you know, outage. The, the power outage of the Super Bowl. How did companies respond? Oreo immediately makes an internet banner ad. You can still dunk in, in the, the dark. dark. Yeah. How brilliant, brilliant is that? Right. Brilliant. brilliant. Even more yeah. brilliant. We can't get your blackout, but we can get your stains out. Tide from Tide. Mm -hmm. That was brilliant. Uh, Radiological Society of North America. You know, I think they kind of missed the book. They kind of swung and missed here. Well, oh, at least no. radiologists can work in the dark. So Hashtag what? Super Bowl 13. Um, oh, they didn't miss at all. So I thought that was great. Help me to understand. But they had the wrong Super Bowl. Are, are they said Super Bowl. Hashtag Super Bowl 13. I did. Yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake. So yeah. let me ask you a question. Yeah. Was it that these ad agencies are so incredibly on their game that Boom. they had people sitting literally on the advertising sideline mm -hmm. waiting for any opportunity that they could to pounce on and when this blackout went out the you know uh, oreo and tide in particular just sorry you know mixing metaphors here but hit it out of the friggin park oh yeah and is that what's going on and no i think it was i think those are more organic i mean who would if you were an advertising person and oreo was your account and you saw that it probably would just pop in your mind anyway. I understand. I agree with you. But I guess I'm impressed that they had their peeps, again, ready to go. You know, just be there available to say, okay, here's yeah. what we're going to do. I mean, you I know. Mean, it's not like, you know, you and me where someone would have to call and we'd have to, you know, right. get our freelance, uh, you know, graphic designer. Like, they have staff of people that will just, you know, hey, I need you to come into the office and do this. Okay. 
Leave, right. the, leave the Super Bowl party. Well, that's what the, the part of me, that the brilliance of that alone, of having the support and the the team together enough to be able to ready to respond to anything that comes down the pike is very impressive. That's a great me. example of this would be Walgreens. Walgreens tweets, we do carry ta- uh, candles, hashtag Super Bowl. We also sell lights, hashtag Super Bowl. <laughs> like, that's just very simple, just a little thing right there. But uh, these these responses are not corporate boardroom think responses i agree amen these responses are 20 something living their entire lives online sitting there watching the game and being part of the marketing think tank for these organizations so yay to the corporate culture that hires these people to say that's what we want you to do well and yeah give, give them, them the freedom. trust right yeah exactly give them the freedom. sure exactly right yeah Without go, go for it have fun and they were having fun oh yeah i mean what's the downside it's a tweet right it's a facebook post well no they you could get i mean if they got vulgar with it or something of that nature yeah that's bad news but representing like, Mario that's saying you can still dunk in the dark. Like Ron Paul recently with his comments regarding our uh, world's greatest sniper that just got taken out. I miss that. Oh, boy, yeah. Now he was saying that, uh, I guess if you live by the sword, you die by the sword, was Ron Paul's recent tweet. Really? Yes. <laughs> well. Really? <laughs> Honest to God. would make it. not would, very. Would not, uh, would not make it up. Our once and not future president. Thank God. Jesus. <laughs> okay, we won't slip into politics. I'm oh, sorry. I'm the one that brought it up. That one is... <laughs> that, wow. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, you you, uh, you Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So where are we going next, Brian? Extraordinary popular delusions and the madness of crowds. Yeah. The folly of inbound marketing. Let's first define the term. What does inbound marketing mean to you guys? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's ever, an ever-evolving phrase, but it's working with those that are already part of the the culture and working with them to send out messages that only support what they already know. That would be my quick definition. Um, I, I think of it from the user's point of view. Inbound marketing is putting a whole bunch of content out there for free and inviting people to come buy it for free or sign on to it or download it or whatever it is inviting people to you instead of you going out to them that to me is inbound marketing and you brian i kind of agree with ken it's more of a uh it's more of throwing the net out there and dragging them to you yeah than going out there and developing relationships and that sort of thing which you know to a certain extent i i wonder if the value of relationships in business I wonder if they're going away with this new generation. Do these new guys really just want to know, you know what, I really just want you to create a great algorithm for me. I don't want to know about your family and all that kind of stuff. Create a good algorithm so you can just get out of my life and I can move on. You know what I'm going to say to that? You'll (laughs) never, maybe in the moment, but there will be, if that is what's happening in the moment, there will be a migration back to... I want to know you, I want to like you, I want to trust you, I want you to take great care of me. That will never go out of vogue, and if it does, it won't go out of vogue for very long. 
That's my take it's on it. It's not going to go out of vogue. Right. I'm just I wonder if that's going to, I mean, who knows? These oh, 20-somethings Brian. tweeting everywhere. I'm just saying. I'm I, just saying. You know, it might be a hit in the moment, but when they have four hits and two out of the four don't go so well, and they're not happy with the service or the product, and they realize, oh, my God, there's got to be a better way. And then they talk to their mommy, their daddy, their Uncle Mario or somebody, and Uncle Mario says, hey, you know, why don't you talk to my insurance guy? Yeah. Because he's been around for a long time. Exactly. And I'm sure he's going to take good care of you. Yeah. But, I mean, look at, like, my life runs basically on Google, (laughs) okay? Between Apple products and Google, I know that's like mixing, like, you know, the sharks and the crips or whatever. But um, I trust Google implicitly. I don't know a soul at Google. You don't have a relationship with anyone. I don't. You have a relationship with a brand. With a brand. And the minute the brand screws up, you don't. Yeah. But that's what I mean. But like I, I rely on Google more than I do any other business. Okay. You came into the studio and the first thing out of your mouth was, I hate banks. I do. And this is not a new thing for me. But your experience <laughs> with the bank today, I won't take anybody out there through the story, but your experience with the bank today right. was 100% relationship fault. Um, Nobody paid attention. I think it's more of a not thinking fault. Nobody paid attention. It really, but it didn't have to do with like a relation. Like I wasn't trying to gain, uh, game the system because of no. clout or whatever like you that. Miss, you miss the core of a relationship. The core of a relationship is the fact that you make someone feel meaningful and you create meaning for them. Because our entire lives are based on having meaningfulness. If you don't have meaningfulness, you're adrift. Nothing happens. So the bank basically said to you, eh, we're not paying attention to you. We don't frankly care. This is our rule. Boom. Check the box and move on. And your response was, eh, I'll move on. They didn't create any meaningfulness for you. I, it, I'm firmly convinced that there is a migration towards in-depth relationships because of the anonymity of online. Mm-hmm. I think it's creating mm-hmm. a reverse effect. Could be. And, well, I look at inbound marketing. Inbound marketing is all about bringing people to you, engaging them in some way, shape, or form to sample who you are. Whether it's a download of a product, whether it is a discussion on a blog, whether it's posting comments, it doesn't really matter but it's engaging you. And the funny part about it, and this is where I still am debating with it, the relationship then becomes an outbound push on the part of the company that originally was inbound. I got you, so now I'm going to keep sending stuff to you. And I'm going to keep sending stuff to you and sending stuff to you. HubSpot's a perfect example. HubSpot engaged me. I like what they do. I'm tired of three posts a day from HubSpot in my email box of a different article that some underling at HubSpot decided to throw together. Some of it's interesting, some of it's not, but I hate having to go through and delete them all. Now, is there a way for you to manage that algorithm that sends you stuff? Like, hey, you know what? Only send me one new post a day or five new posts a day. There may be, but I shouldn't have to have that responsibility. HubSpot should 
HubSpot should engage me and say, look, we're sending this to you at a rate of three a day. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, but I, I guess my feeling with the bank experience, which it doesn't matter what it was, but my feeling with the bank experience was um, I had an expectation because of how the bank positioned itself to me that they were hands-on, wanted the relationship, yep. but then they treated me like an online retailer. They treated you like you were not meaningful. They treated but if you I, like they didn't trust you. But but the difference is, like, there's a lot of times, like, I'm looking at stuff in Google, and I'm like, I have no idea how that works. And I have to kind of dig around and dig around, and then I find the answer. But I kind of understand that my expectations of that is, I know that everything in the world, mm -hmm. like, runs on Google, and it's utterly and completely impractical for them to have a relationship with me. So I'm fine with that as long as they have a great FAQ section, or I can, you know, post a question to a forum, or whatever. I'm okay with that, but when but when I get that sort of treatment from a bank or a place that's promising me a relationship, and then they fault on it, you know what? I would rather just not have. I'd rather not be disappointed. Exactly. And, I would, and I'd rather go to the bank of Google. I mean, my two shakes on that would be one: Google intuitively, based on a whole lot of research is managing in an effective way your expectations. Yep. But at the same time, you, you know, I think you have a greater, like most of us, a greater allowance because it's a machine. Mm -hmm. And so there's maybe not quite the same expectation that I'm going to have with a machine than I'm going to have with an individual. Yeah. And, that, and that individual, come on, because you know how you treat people. And, and what treat, you're, treat them like crap. That's how, that's how it goes. There you go. And so, you know, why are you surprised that you got treated like crap? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. You yeah. know, so I think that's it. And the bank did not do a good job of managing your expectation. They didn't even, I'm sure, even take the time to say, well, what exactly would happen here, you know, Mr. Brian, that would make you happy in this particular moment? That's what you were hoping for in one sense or another. Well, the thing, the thing that the bank, I think, really screwed up with was setting expectations and then just backtracking from I mean, they extended you a credit line. You paid the credit line before it was due. They reduced it. They reduced it. Now they want a small percentage of it as a personal guarantee, and you're sitting there saying, this makes no sense because the credit line in total is still one-third of my total deposits in the bank. Yeah, and it's uh, it's, well, a, it's nuts. We should probably just explain. So, like, I had this <laughs> really, really big line of credit when I bought a business a gajillion years ago um, that I just kind of rolled it in, into my existing business. And that's fine, and I paid it off and, and whatever. And it's just sort of – I've just kind of been, like, hanging on to this line of credit and I, the only thing I ever really use it for is like the first quarter of the or the first month of the first quarter. <clears throat> I just uh, maybe sometimes I need to make payroll that first paycheck round, mm -hmm. and I just have the line of credit, and then three days later I pay it back, and like it's like nothing. It costs me like eighty bucks in interest fees, and it's nothing. The uh, and so it doesn't really matter what the uh, what the amount is, but they wanted me to do this like bizarre like 10%. So we reduced it to 50,000. They wanted me to do 10% personal guarantee on top of all the other guarantees that, that I have for it, which is $5,000 that I have to do on a personal level, which honestly, God, is not really a big deal. 
Um, but I didn't really get it because I have, you know, six times that in a deposit for the bank right there sitting in cash. Yeah. Like as a rolling credit, you know? It's nuts. It, you know, so that that's really why I got a little bent the, out of shape. The, se- the issue is that no one paid attention. Absolutely. Nobody focused on Brian. And that's the issue. And here's my guess, based on what you just shared with us, the story, that the banker that you established the relationship with, as you suggested a gazillion years ago, he or she is history, you know, isn't any longer at the bank. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole new management team that are looking at you cross-eyed and not caring that you've been, unfortunately not caring that you've been there for a gazillion years and looking at you as a brand new person on on their balance sheet. Yeah. That's my read on it. Yeah. And circling back, though, to the inbound marketing thing, what this article, the, the query at the beginning of the show was, is inbound marketing effective? Does it really work? And there is a th- school of thought these days that it is very much like m- crowd delusion associated with the tulip mania in Holland, associated with the dot-com bubble. And the belief that the cost per conversion is just way too high on inbound marketing and the average ticket price is way too low. And marketers over time, as they start to analyze it, are going to say, we still need to touch people. We still need to reach out and create some type of a connection, if not a relationship, with these customers coming to us. So despite how great our inbound marketing might be, we still need outbound marketing to create the conversions. So that that's that's the whole thought process. I have no conclusionary thoughts on it myself because I'm constantly wrestling with the question of whether it works or not. I have no idea. And next on the slate? <clears throat> Do's and do nots of LinkedIn. Actually, probably pretty good to, to review these. and It's a kind of an... It's these are not, I think, definites for all eternity. I think the medium of um, Twitter, LinkedIn, and whatever uh, change how people use them, especially given new mm-hmm. companies in here. But this is a LinkedIn status update: the seven do's and don'ts. So uh, sharing URLs use a shortened URL, like a Bitly or a Deliberate or, or something like that, which I really like. Um, Actually, that's done automatically for you now in, in most updates when you put it out there. Oh, is it really? When, uh, I don't know if it's uh, LinkedIn. I'm sure it does it. Uh, I know Twitter actually does it, too. I don't think uh, Facebook does this. Yeah, I posted an update to a YouTube video, put the whole URL in, which was 37-plus characters long, Yeah, and it came out in the update as a bit.ly. Oh, it came out as a bit.ly? Yeah. Sometimes um, YouTube comes out as this thing called Ubi. Y-O-U-B-E dot com. So that's interesting. Yeah. They have some relationship there. Uh, pose questions that could lead to problem solving. Do you want to know a good controller candidates? Um, that's not bad. I mean, if you're going to look for stuff, I, I've found great help in social media by posing that question, much like, uh, hey, I want to get T-shirts made. Where should I go? I need new garage doors. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's like personal stuff, um, you know, we're looking for office chairs or whatever. That's all great stuff. Uh, Even better is when you can do those questions in your groups as opposed to the updates. Yeah. Because it's even more focused. It's tighter. 
if it's appropriate. But you know, something yeah. like office furniture would be like anyone and everyone. But you know, what? I actually don't read people's updates. Mm-hmm. In that, fact, now that's that I your homepage, yeah, I don't read my homepage. Ah, that's I literally I go to LinkedIn and I go to immediately to my groups. Really, isn't you're, that interesting? I've just kind of realized that you're different. I'm a special kind of guy. <laughs> Um, conduct an informal poll uh, of your network. I don't really like that kind of thing. No, I think I that's think one so. of those things like you know, LinkedIn wants you to create the poll, so they're excited mm. about it. But I, I'm sick of taking these online polls because yeah, they don't I'm, mean anything. I'm with you on that. I think people are just enough, enough with yeah. polls. 350 million people in the country. You know, how many people are you going to poll on your LinkedIn page? 500 plus? Um, not going to mean anything to me. I love number four. Mention a person's name or situation that might be helpful for your connections. I just met with John Jones of ABC Insurance Company and found out they are saving me. They are saving companies lots of money on workman's compensation insurance. That's good. A little testimonial. I wouldn't really phrase it like that. It seems a little forced. I'm but, not. I'm not thrilled but, with. Uh, but the that's nice. Execution. I but I like the idea. Of yeah, it a lot. it's nice to give a little. Yeah. How do you do and, and all that kind of neat stuff. Kudos are good. Sales pitches are not right. Yeah. Uh, talking about an event you are attending or have attended, encourage involvement in it. Yeah, I don't get that one. I mean, uh, I that's got to be super. Going. Yeah, that's got to be like super you're informal. Coffee and a bagel for breakfast. Who cares? You kind of have to do right. a. Hey, is anyone else going to this thing? You know, mm. maybe we can meet up, kind of thing. Yeah, unless, unless, at least in my mind, unless you feel that the event is noteworthy for the members of a group that you belong to or an yeah. individual. All right, yeah. group, group attention, yeah, I'll right. buy that. Yeah, Th- then I think that then it has its worthiness. W- with uh, a, a phrase up front saying something, not selling this event nor endorsing it, but thought people might be interested. Yeah, but, yeah just thought you'd like to be aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, number six, job seekers. I've I've gotten jaded. To job seekers, quite honestly, job seekers and headhunters oh, on LinkedIn. Um, so I'll leave it, you know, to you guys to say whether or not people should announce that they're seeking jobs. But I, I, I just, I'm, I'm like well, tired of that. I think LinkedIn's that was what it was originally created for was the job seeker market in order to help people link and find jobs. Oh, okay. and it, I think it's evolved so far beyond that now that to me that's just a minor little thing. Yeah, but. For the job seeker, it's not. I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think there has to be an appropriate way for he or she to be able to reach out. If it was me, I don't have an issue personally. If one of my connections says, "Hey, Tom, you know, I just lost my position. Anything that you can do as, you know, a friend here on LinkedIn would be yeah. greatly appreciated." So instead of the mass. You know, uh, posting, I would be more comfortable with that type of approach. Yeah, I, I think if you do not do that kind of approach on a one-on-one basis, it's like placing an ad in the classifieds. Exactly. Yeah. I was trying to find it. I, one of the, well, one of these examples of uh, why I'm so jaded at this is, um, I get a lot of requests for jobs on LinkedIn. The last one I got, or one of the last ones I got, was from a guy. Who works here in the area, I think he said he was working at like CPTV or something like that. I can't remember exactly where it was. But he said, you know, I, well, I interviewed with your company last year. And I'm like, 
Yeah. No, <laughs> you didn't. Are you kidding me? We don't interview. Yeah. <laughs> so, one. And two, you would have been interviewing with me. And I don't remember you. And I don't remember you. So it's kind of like, what? So we would add another one to this, that honesty would be the best policy. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> no BS, please. Like, oh, my gosh. You oh, get it. Oh, do you know Ron Dressner? I do. He has a brother that did this, um, did a similar thing to me, uh, but he got my email address. And he was putting on, oh, it was, uh, we did a business expo. We covered an event. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. We did an event. It uh, a family thing. <laughs> Chamber of Commerce of Farmington held a little business summit, and um, they had a, some, a woman up from the Department of uh, Economic Development from Washington, from uh, the president's um, aid office, and she spoke, and there was a big you know, forum and all that kind of stuff, and it was great, and we sent a, our, our camera gal out, and she did a little piece, and whatever. So he somehow found it, I don't remember how, and said, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Uh, and kind of did the, he did sort of like the, not almost like the bait and switch, but it was even worse than that. Because it was like, boy, I'd really be interested in learning more about what you do, you know, from a talent standpoint. And then immediately switched into his, and I'm a PR guy, and I can help you do all of this, you know, for only $5,000 a month. I can help you do this and that. And I'm like, Okay. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> Definitely a family thing. There Thanks. you go. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't mention personal things. What you had for breakfast, what your dog is doing today. Or events how, that you're going to. How big your morning constitution was. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, that just, just does not <laughs> seem to be the one. forum. Facebook is fine. And even there, Twitter. Like, do you Twitter. really need to let me know what, which way you like your eggs in the morning? I don't think so. Continually talking about specific products and services takes people back to the days of big newspaper ads, screaming radio messages. Yes, yes, I agree. This is called content dumping, which we have been very good at not doing. And I think there's a way to uh, share your content. But oh, you don't yeah. want to dump your content. Dumping your time is like, like, without a, any explanation or reason for it, you go into a, a group and you just kind of throw up a link with a couple I, sentences. We, every after every show, do a post of the show on LinkedIn. At least I do. And I always preface the post with a comment on some aspect of the show that I think the audience will find interesting. Right. And pose it in the form of a question and say, if interested in finding out some things you didn't know about the Super Bowl, tune into this edition of Open for Business. Mm. That kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Avoid talking about topics that might be sensitive to some audience members. I don't like that at all. I think you should. I think LinkedIn is a great thing. People's need to get, if this is really a business forum, yeah, mm -hmm. feel free. Knock yourself out. Sensitive. I mean, I wouldn't bring up, like, abortion on LinkedIn. That's not really what LinkedIn's about. But, yeah. but. Certainly, you could bring up, uh, you know, background checks for firearms because that's a that affects a, a business, and how you, you can definitely take a spin on how that affects a business, don't you think? I don't yeah. get this phrase. If your mother wouldn't want you talking about it, don't put it in your LinkedIn status box. Ouch, that's stupid. If my mother didn't want me talking about it, it'd be the first thing I'd put in my status box. <laughs> well, see, my mother always used to say children should be seen and not heard. So yeah. I guess I wouldn't even be on LinkedIn. 
Well, there you go. I know. No, I think that's coming. I'm sorry, Ken. I think that's coming from the wonderful world of political correctness that we live in. So I'm with you, Brian, 100% on that. I mean, you need to have a certain level of discernment as to what you're choosing to share. But with that in mind, go for it. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I think... I think there's a fair debate on inbound versus outbound marketing. I think there's a fair debate on any business topic that's out there. There's a fair debate on social media. There's a fair debate on the effectiveness of LinkedIn. Absolutely. Uh, think twice about posting your physical whereabouts. I've heard several real-life examples of homes being broken into after people yeah, put in, I am out sense. of work or out of town on Twitter, or they check in on Foursquare. You guys use Foursquare? No. no. I didn't think so. But um, <laughs> now Ken and I are still on two square. <laughs> two square. <laughs> Watch a square. Oh, That's as far as we've gotten. Square. So right what can I tell no you? reason to reinvent the wheel, Mabel. Oh. Um, yeah, it's like stopping the paper delivery when you go on vacation. It's I mean it's common sense. Come on. Yeah, stopping the paper delivery. Yeah, get the mail stopped. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I I don't actually live in too much fear about that. Um, I guess I probably should a little bit more, especially if I'm out of town and it's just my wife and my daughter at home. I should probably pay attention to that more. So, But I again, LinkedIn, not really the place that anyone would care. I wonder, though, what if you're at like a big conference or something and you get a great interview? Like People are going to know you're not at home because you want to share that on LinkedIn before the topic becomes irrelevant. What do you do then? Uh, I'm not sure I understand. You mean you were so interviewed I, at the conference? Or or you're at the conference and you happen to uh, talk to, like the CES just happened in, in January. Yeah. And uh, Guy Kiyosaka came up to our friend Lon and they were talking and they snapped a photo and all that kind of stuff. So what did Lon do? He posted it on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, mm-hmm. Google Plus and all that kind of stuff. Um, clearly, Lon is not home. Mm-hmm. His wife is, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Is that dicey or what? Nah, I don't think so. What's the difference between just saying I'm out of town? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I guess you can't live in fear. Go ahead and post. Yeah, I would, but do it with real purpose. Yeah, post, get some post get some th- eyeballs to your blog site there first. You go, post post with- it on the day you're going home. It's not so dated. Yeah, who knows. Uh, LinkedIn Twitter interface is causing people, too many people, to have LinkedIn updates. I agree. I started doing this and then stopped because uh, I didn't think LinkedIn people cared. No. LinkedIn's for more substantive updates than Twitter is. I mean, Twitter, the next one makes the point. Twitter's 40 tweets a day, 20 tweets a day. LinkedIn, a couple updates at the most. Yeah. And I don't even do that, actually. Yeah. I don't uh, I do like I like this Two term. Three a week. I like this term that they use, netiquette, yeah. like etiquette on the net. Mm-hmm. I like net that too. Etiquette. Yeah. Netiquette. <laughs> I think it's because I'm from Connecticut, and I like netiquette. That's just my feeling. Uh, don't waste your time reading updates uh, from people who violate all the above. Well, I guess you'd have to read the updates to find out if they violate it. I actually did that last week. I hid two people. I just got so tired of their updates. And it's really interesting. I, and you know what's funny? I think it's funny that I do not, I don't do anything on my homepage. I, you know what? And even last week, you told me about LinkedIn Today. I didn't read a single LinkedIn Today article. Really? You live in a cave, don't you? <laughs> I really don't. It's just sort of like, I'm still like. You're still LinkedIn. Yeah, I live in, I'm LinkedIn cave. 
Yes. I'm the man in the cave. I'm just looking at my shadow and being mesmerized right mm. now. So I should probably do that because there's some interesting. Oh, look, Mark Halpert posted something about in-mail attachments, another reason to consider upgrading your dot, dot, dot. Look, I need to find out what the rest of the title is. i got to click. It's big, brilliant. Big Mark's the LinkedIn expert. Uh, is he? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Chris Amorosino? We, we did. Christopher John? Yeah. Christopher John, yes. Doesn't he sound like Christopher John and little Pooh Bear? <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, okay. I've been drinking a lot of soda today. <laughs> you guys are like, what is going on with this kid? Anyway, uh, neat stuff. So uh, we will post that up. This is actually a LinkedIn article that we can. Uh, yes. That you guys, was this from the LinkedIn Today thing? Um, where this one? Where this one come from? I'll tell you in a second. It was from LinkedIn, but I don't know. It was from the Marketing and Sales Innovators LinkedIn group. It was a post that was on that group. Wow. Very interesting. Last little thought we want to leave you with is that uh, 76% of the people think advertising is exaggerated. No way. <laughs> Ain't so. <laughs> Who would have thought? Come on. Who would have thought? No, it's very true. This is also from uh, HubSpot. Ads are very exaggerated, 19%. Ads are somewhat exaggerated, 57%. Ads are somewhat accurate. 21%, actually way more than I thought. I think you're exaggerating. I think I am exaggerating too. We want to thank the, uh, we're now over the 5 million listener mark. And we want to thank you all for doing that. We could not thank do that you, without folks. you. Wow, that's great. I may be exaggerating that number. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for joining us, though. We can't do the show without our sponsors, Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwoods and Meyerjack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and CentralCTDental.com. Special thanks to Evan Richards in our chat room. For being our moderator, we're closing up shop for this week, but we will be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we will once again be open for business. Cheers.